welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans, Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Elliot Anderson, stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. Hangtime Podcast, Playoff Edition, Seku Smith from the Hangtime Blog at NBA.com, Lang Whitaker in New York, my Hello. co-host. The music cut off on us pretty quick, Lang. I was scared for a second. <laughs> they were ready for us to go. Yeah, I thought they were going like, to cancel us on uh, Talking playoffs in the NBA and going to the Western Conference, the 3-6 matchup between the Dallas Mavericks and the Portland Trailblazers. Now, this, this is actually the series I'm going to be covering. NBA.com, Lang. So um, I had to do a little studying on this, and I'm telling you what, this is this is a uh, this is dangerous for the Dallas Mavericks. You know, with their playoff history, and I kind of wrote about it today. Their playoff history and and the fact that they've been vulnerable, you know, have have succumbed to a lower seed before, and everybody knows it. It's like it's one of those weird deals, like when you're a boxer and you get knocked out. Everybody knows you've been knocked out, so it's like some of the fear factor is gone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't scare people anymore. The the Mavericks are that team. Everybody was talking about wanting a piece of them. I'm not so sure that that's smart on a lot of people's part. And the, and the Blazers were not one of those teams. I mean, I think some other teams and other players around the league were talking about wanting a piece of them. The Blazers obviously didn't say any of that and didn't do any of that. But uh, a very interesting series when you talk about these two teams and how they match up and the fact that they split a couple of games this year and very, very close, you know, games, the the, one, the two that the, the Trailblazers lost. What's your uh, initial looking at it last night, looking at the stat? I know Dallas is made out of the first round once in the last four years. Right. Obviously, 2007, they got upset by the Warriors. But what? just looking at it, what's your initial thought on it? Well, it, a lot of it depends on – if if I got Karan Butler who who joined us uh, a couple weeks back on the Hangtime podcast, right. if he comes back, to me that gives Dallas a jolt. That, you know, sometimes a, a veteran team like that this that that has some some playoff baggage, they need something to spark them come playoff time. I thought Roddy Boubois would be the guy who did that. Didn't turn out mm-hmm. that way. They tried him as a starter. Now they're talking about going back to bringing him off the bench and starting Deshaun Stevenson. But if they could get Karan Butler or or at least the 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 promise of having Karan Butler at some point during the series it could really have a have a strong impact on what they do in the series. But Portland is a dangerous team, and in matchup wise, you look you're talking about Lamarcus Aldridge uh, yep. and Dirk Nowitzki potentially matching up in that respect. Two veteran point guards and Jason Kidd and Andre Miller, um, and then to me one of the surprise players in the league and a guy who's really having a having a really a really strong season, Nicholas Batum. For the Blazers, who's right. been a who's been a clutch player, a guy who's made some belly, you know plays for him down the stretch and done a lot of good things. So, you know, there's just a lot, you know, 
There's just a lot that goes on. So, uh, But to, to help us break the, the series down a little bit more, Lang, we're going to bring on a good friend of the, sh- the, the show and a guy we've had on before talking about these Portland Trailblazers, Ben Gulliver of uh, BlazersEdge.com. He's going he's gonna to help us make some sense of this whole thing. Ben, what's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good, man. I'm going to be out there for the series. I'm doing the Dallas-Portland series, so I'll see you out there. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, what time do you want to take her to come by your house? <laughs> What time's the potluck, got, baby? You know, unfortunately, I got rid of my futon. Otherwise, you know, you would have been good to go. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. I actually have a standing date whenever I'm in Portland with the city center, Marriott. I, I'm telling you, dude, I can sleep for four or five hours solid in the afternoon when I stay at that hotel. Don't ask me why. Well, it's probably because of the weather, man. You're not coming out here to SoCal, let's tell you that. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not good. Uh, I hear you, man. So break this series down for us, man. Tell us. Tell us how this looks to you because, you know, just studying it on uh, on these two teams, you know, for the preview I did for NBA.com and, and kind of eyeballing Dallas and, and, and how they match up, this this looks a lot closer than most 3-6 three, three, series might look. Oh, I think it's a super balanced series. You know, we were actually watching that Lakers-Kings game down to the wire last night because that game was going to determine whether the Blazers got – the Lakers or the Mavericks and I could tell you you know I was actually at the stadium you know in the TV trucks or whatever listening to these guys and everyone to a man wanted the Lakers to make sure they won that game <laughs> so that they would get the Mavericks because wow. I mean the, the sense here in Portland is that the Blazers think they really match up well with the Mavericks I think you know obviously Dirk is a giant problem for anyone you know he's going to get to the free throw line he's going to score in so many different ways but Marcus Aldridge has played him really well in the regular mm-hmm. season. Uh, you know, he match, he's a tough matchup for uh, Dallas on the other end. I mean, they don't really have a good stopper to put on Aldridge. Uh, he's going to be able to get to the foul line himself. You look at the point guard matchups, you know, they're pretty close between Kidd and Miller. Mm-hmm. You look at the center, Chandler can be similar players. You know, to me, I, I think the X factors really come down to, obviously, the addition of Gerald Wallace for Portland. Uh, you know, he's still, you know, he doesn't have the luxury like the Mavericks of having played together for a couple of years. He's still been integrated. It's been a good process. But, you know, how well is he going to be able to ramp up his production here in the postseason? And then also Dallas's bench, you know, led by Jason Terry. I mean, they've got guys uh, who are really going to provide a lot of firepower. And frankly, Nate McMillan has really tightened up his rotation. He hasn't gotten a ton of production off his bench here in the last month. It's basically been Nick, Nicholas Batum. He's the only one who's really scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, Rudy Fernandez decides to show up. So, I mean, I think those are going to be some of the potential X factors, but I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, this is uh, this is an even matchup. Yeah, Ben, I, I was at the trade deadline. I, I thought picking up Joe Wallace was one of the most underrated moves at the deadline. What has he brought to the Blazers so far, and and what does he mean to this team? Oh, he's huge. I mean, first of all, he's got the respect of his teammates like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he walked in here and instantly commanded that locker room, and you know, guys like Aldridge and Camby. Miller, I mean, they all swear by him, just the way he plays, as hard as he plays, uh, and just also on defense in terms of how many different players he can guard. I mean, the one thing that he really does against Dallas is you know, he can he can go one-on-one. He can guard, guard Dirk at times. Uh, he can obviously match up with Sean Marion very well. They're playing the pick-and-rolls late in games. You know, he can step out and switch on that, uh, stay with Dallas's guards, and, and, you know, not be a huge liability out there on the perimeter. I mean, he, and he can also play off-ball defense too, right? So if Aldridge mm-hmm. is playing Dirk, you know, he's – uh, Wallace is in the passing lanes just wreaking havoc and, and trying to take the ball and go in the fast break. So, I mean, he does so much for this team defensively. Uh, he's picked up their pace just a little bit in terms of being able to get on transition every once in a while by being kind of a one-man fast break. But he also brings, uh, you know, a veteran toughness, 
He's not going to back down. You saw him go nose-to-nose with Artest. I mean, the Blazers have never really had that guy these last couple of years, I and mean, they've always kind of been mm-hmm. the team that's gotten punked by the more veteran playoff teams. And, you know, when the Lakers came in here last week, and there was a scrum, and there was Wallace with all of his teammates, you know, rushing to, to get behind his back because they were so happy <laughs> to finally have someone playing that role for him. Yeah. Ben, what, what's a reasonable expectation for what Brandon Roy can do for the Blazers in this series? And, I, and I, you know, everybody knows – about his injury issues and the things that he's gone through. But, I mean, the fact that he's even – that he even came back and played was was really stunning to me. But what what, sh- what should anybody expect out of him in this series? You know, I think that it's, it's best for everyone to just keep low expectations for Brandon Roy. The reason why I say that is, you know, he's gotten a lot of play. You know, he put up a, a real nice night against Dallas in the spring. I think he had like 21 points, and he had 11 points at some other point here uh, recently. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is night to night, Brandon Roy is just not really giving you that offensive production. Uh, he's looking to be much more of a facilitator in that backup point guard role. But, you know, in terms of one of the biggest winners of the Blazers getting the Mavericks as opposed to some other team, it really is Brandon because, you know, he's able to go down to the post against guys like Berea or a guy like Boubois or whoever they match him up with. Uh, he's able to just, you know, operate out of the post and he can try to either get to the foul line or he can just simply pass from the post. Uh, He can look over his defender. Brandon's really developed that part of his game. Uh, He's comfortable down there. And so he also has guys he can hide on uh, on defense. You know, he can hide in the corner against, uh, you know, any of really Dallas's wings. They don't have a ton of athleticism or overwhelming athleticism out there on the wings, and especially in the second unit. So, you know, for Brandon, I think he's going to get a fair amount of playing time, not a ton of playing time. I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, putting up huge 20-plus point numbers, but they're not really asking him to do that right now. They just want him to run the offense, get Nicholas involved, get Rudy involved in the second unit. Well, looking at it from a Dallas standpoint, what, what, where do you think Dallas has an advantage over Portland, uh, and, and how do you think the Blazers try to counter that? You know, I think the, the big thing is they've got the cohesiveness. You know, they've been there before. They've got the core. They know how each other play. They've been in those big moments. They've got guys who can get to the free throw line. They've got, you know, a go-to fourth-quarter execution offense that's proven time and time again, whether it's this season or previous seasons, that they can get buckets. They've got big shot makers. Uh, they've got an inside and outside balance to their game. And, you know, that's going to be a trouble for Portland. I mean, one of the biggest issues Portland's had this season is, you know, a lot of a lot has been placed on LaMarcus Aldridge. In other words, you know, Portland's perimeter players don't always show up. You know, guys like Wesley Matthews, Nicholas Batum, and Rudy Fernandez, you know, they're always going to give you hustle. They're always going to give you energy. But the thing is, they don't always bring their jumpers. They don't always knock down those open shots. And, and there's been plenty of nights where this team's shot below 25% from three-point land. And when you're in the playoffs, you know, I think that Dallas is really going to be able to focus a lot of defensive energy on LaMarcus and make Portland's wing players beat them. I think that's going to be – uh, you know, a real tough spot for Portland to be in. But, you know, frankly, I think the Blazers are really focused and really excited about this matchup because the last two seasons they feel like, you know, they didn't come away with everything they should have in the playoffs. They feel like they kind of left something on the table maybe. Uh, and I think Nate McMillan said it, you know, after uh, a game here earlier this week, you know, he said this is not just about the Blazers getting out of the first round of the playoffs. It's about him getting out of the first round of the playoffs, too. And I think he's tired of hearing the criticism about how he's not a postseason coach. Uh, I think he likes this matchup just in terms of his guys versus Dallas's guys. And I think he's going to have them completely ready to play once the playoffs start this weekend. Uh, you know, Ben, I, I'm, that's one of the reasons why I'm really going to enjoy this series. I talked to an advanced scout the other night, and he was breaking down this series and talking about these two coaches. And he was talking about the fact that this is a really interesting matchup of Two two guys who th- he thinks are really underrated in terms of what they run and how meticulous they are and how well their teams execute. Is there a guy who 
who has more pressure on him between the two, Rick Carlisle and, and Nate McMillan, in terms of they got to win this series. They got to, you know, give a strong showing in this series to kind of keep that, Im- you know, buff the image and make sure people understand how good they are. You know, honestly, I do think there's a little bit more pressure on Carlisle just because of who his owner is, you know, and the you know, expectations and the demands there, and also the fact they're the higher seed, and so they're expected to win. And, you know, there has been a little bit of disappointment recently just in terms of their playoff performances. And with that, uh, you know, the same thing that, you know, expectations are going to rise. One other interesting thing about Carlisle and uh, Nate, though, is, you know, maybe doesn't get as much play is that they're, you know, they both use a lot of analytics. They both use a lot of just really in-detailed scouting reports mm-hmm. to put their players in the best situations. You know, one thing you look at the Blazers, a lot of times when their players, you know, a guy like Travis Alba, a guy like Martel Webster, he goes to a different team. They try to ask him to do something different, and it maybe doesn't look as good as he was here in Portland. I mean, that's really a credit to McMillan, knowing his players' strengths and weaknesses, and also, you know, studying the numbers, knowing his tend- knowing those players' tendencies, and putting them in situations where they can really succeed in, and cover up their flaws as well. And I think Dallas has been... Know, really solid at doing that. You know, they've got a you know great guy to build around in Dirk, and then they've put other players around him in ways that they're not asking them to try to do too much. So I think that's one interesting thing about this coaching matchup. Both teams take the analytics and statistics side really serious from the ownership level down. You know, both Paul Allen and Mark Cuban are two of the biggest dorks you're going to find, and uh, that's one reason why I love this series too, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Then uh, before we let you go, give us your prediction uh, for the series. You know, right now I got Mavs in seven. You know, I, I just I, I am the kind of person you know I I've seen them before you know and I've seen the Mavs what they can do. This Blazers team to me has been you know kind of a frustrating group this season just in terms of uh, all the injuries obviously and you know we've talked about that before but uh, you know just some of their inconsistency and and right now they're leaning so heavily on their starters that you know I'm worried that over the course of a seven game series you know that that generally isn't. Uh, you know, a winning formula in the playoff. You need to have a lot of bench production. I'm not quite sure where it's going to come from from Portland, but I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. So my pick is Dallas in seven. That's good to know. Listen, if it's if it's seven games, that means I'm leaving the GPS at home, man. I'm just going to call you, and you can make sure you know where to go when I'm in Portland, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a whole list. I'll, you know, I'll get you the best restaurants, best coffee shops, whatever you need. That sounds like a plan, man. Big Oliver from BlazersEdge.com, man. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you in a few days. Hey, my pleasure. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, man. I like that prediction, Lang. That I, I picked the I picked the Mavericks in six, and that's kind of the cop out pick. And you know, you do it all the time when you <laughs> think. Well, it's when you think a series could go seven, but you feel you know you want to be safe and go. Well, it could go seven, but uh, uh, you know, whoever in six, and and you do that a lot because these are matchups. A lot of time, it's it's not so much who has the better record in the regular season. Who you know who right. has the stronger team, sometimes it's just strictly this matchup favors this team at this time. And and I think this is one of those deals where, again, like we I said at the start, it, it, this is a lot closer than, a, than your normal 3-6. It's not like the Mavericks won 15 or 20 more games this season than, than the Blazers did. These guys would be a lot closer, say, if Brandon Roy wasn't hurt. You know, they might be a lot closer in, in the right. standings than they would be now. So, uh you know, we we shall I think, see. I think this is the year Dallas gets through. I mean, they they have to at some point, right? They have to start like kind of putting it all together. And for Mark Cuban's <sighs> sake, they have to sooner or later. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting. I I think Ben brought up some really interesting points so about the owners and uh, the franchise and how kind of where they are right now. The two coaches having a lot of pressure on themselves to kind of prove that they're postseason guys. So it's very interesting matchup, that 3-6 in the Western Conference between the Dallas Mavericks and the Portland Trailblazers. You can check out more on all these series 
on NBA.com. Thanks for joining us on the playoff specials. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 